everybody, it's Drags. It's Wednesday, November 27th. Time for episode 326 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com. And as always, follow us on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. It is the Turkey Day edition of Patriots Beat. I welcome back Alex Barth of CLNS Media covering the Patriots for us along with Evan Lazar and Sierra Goodwill. Please do not take any offense to the fact that I segued from Turkey Day edition to you, Alex Barth, it's wonderful to have you along. Have you dried off from Sunday yet? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting there. I think my shoes are still drying off a little bit, but it wasn't as bad as the Cleveland game for me. I don't know what it was. The Cleveland game, even, you know, eight hours after the game, I was soaked. I was all right uh, after this one this past week. We've been lucky, though. I was talking to Evan about this. We've been covering the team for a year and a half. We never had to deal with any inclement weather outside of cold, and that's probably an anomaly in of itself. Uh, and now we get to back-to-back rain games, so I guess that's just karma coming back around. You really thought it was wetter uh, during the uh, Browns game? I was outside more. That might have been it. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Well, put yeah. yourself in the shoes of Patriots players, coaches, and fans, Alex, because I think each of those parties feels different about that 13-9 to win in the slop and the muck of Sunday afternoon. How do you think they felt after that game? So I'll start with the fans because that's the easiest one for me to relate to. I I think fans should actually feel pretty good about this. I don't know how many do, but I'm here to tell them that they should because this is what the Patriots do every year. What's that famous, one of many famous Bill Belichick quotes? Real football starts after Thanksgiving. Well, here we are. It's Thanksgiving. And this is what the Patriots always do. They tinker and they mess with things and they adjust. And then when they get to this point of the year, they find their identity and they ride it. And to me, you look at these last two games against a pair of very good teams, and that's what they've done. They've found their identity. This is a defensive football team, and they're going to ride with it. And whether it takes them to a championship or not, we'll see, but they look pretty good doing it. And I think maybe there's some uncomfort because this is so far from what their identities usually are. But look at last year. They tried to be a, a spread it out, throw the ball 40 times a game, that sort of offense. It wasn't there. By the time we got to this point in the season, maybe it was a little later last year, they figured out they needed to be a two-tight end, ground-and-pound offense, and that's what they did. They found their identity, and they rode with it. Similar this year offensively, they have to be able to run the ball. They have to be able to throw the ball short, and they're going to win on the defense. And for the coaches, I think they feel the same way. You heard what Bill Belichick said in the locker room after that win, and to come to the podium and say what he said, Bill Belichick doesn't give a lot of compliments to himself or his team unprompted. But he went up there and said, it's very good to be standing up here talking to you today after a win. And I think that the stuff he said in the locker room post game, I think he realizes that he has found his team's identity and now he can start game planning around building to that strength, which is the defense for the players. Uh, defensively, I, I think they've got to be, you know, as high as you can get in New England. There's certainly always an air we can be better and we need to improve and that's definitely valid. But I think if you're on the defense, you got to feel like you've performed up to and beyond expectations at this point. Offensively, I can see there being some frustration. Ben Watson said it to us last week that everybody's in that locker room is a perfectionist. You don't get to the NFL without being a perfectionist. And it's not perfect right now on offense. It's very far from it. So offensively, I think there are some discouraged players. But everywhere else, players, coaches, fans, I think, you know, there's certainly still work to do, but 
this team has an identity now. And that's huge. That is huge because they haven't had one for the last couple of weeks. They really haven't had one since, I, if, if you want to go back to the Jets game, when they blew out the Jets on Monday night, they haven't really had an identity since then. So they have one now. They're a physical defensive football team that's going to hit you in the mouth up front on offense and make the plays in the passing game when they need to. And that's encouraging for me because I was waiting for the identity. You saw the Eagles game last week and you think, could this really be them? Could this team I saw today really be the 2019 New England Patriots? And I think the Dallas game was confirmation that, yes, this is, you know, if you don't like defensive football, I'm sorry, but buckle up because this is what we're going to be watching for the rest of the year. And here's my only problem with that, Alex. All okay. of what you just said for the past three to three and a half minutes is very true. But the margin a margin of error becomes much smaller uh, sure. in December, bad elements, and then in the playoffs against very good football teams. I mean, certainly one of the uh, critic, uh, criticisms of the Patriots in 2019 is that their schedule has been remarkably easy, with the exception of a couple of tests, namely uh, in Baltimore, the one that they failed. Um but they just haven't been pushed. The, I, I will take your point about Philly and Dallas um, to a point and uh, up to a certain level and say, well, yeah, they were pushed. Uh, one was on the road in a hostile environment like Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. And then last week against Dallas, they were up against the top-ranked, uh, for what it's worth, uh, offense in the NFL, and they allowed just three field goals. And yeah. yes, it was inclement weather, but they found a way to win those two games, one win ugly. But I just don't see, I don't know. I have no idea how I feel about that team trying to win those games in the postseason. Maybe they well, can do it. And and just to clarify what I said, and I said this a lot post game too. There's still, there, like I said, there's still work to be done. There is room to get better. And I think they will get better, but it's not, it's no longer going to be okay, we'll try this one week, we'll try this another week, and each week they're starting from scratch. Now I think they have a base of a game plan to build on where they can be successful. They're going to get Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett back. That's going to make a major difference. The more Isaiah Wynn plays, the more comfortable he's going to get. The offense will get better. This is not a, a you know sub-20-point-per-game offense. Are they in the mid-30s like they were at times last year or even at the beginning of this year? I don't think so. But this is not a sub-20-point offense. This is an offense that I think once they click, will get you 21 to 28 points a game, which should be enough for this defense, I think, against any opponent, even Baltimore. We can get into that a little more later. But I think 21 to 28 points is a good number for this offense. Now, can they get there in time for the playoffs? That's the question the entire season rides on. But what in the past 20 years tells you they can't? You know, I think... Isaiah Wynn had a very good game back and, yep. uh, considering where he was coming from and the fact that he, you know, th there were, you know, and Josh McDaniels said on Tuesday during the conference call, there were a couple of technique issues they want to clean up and see if they can do better, but he was pretty happy with the way, uh, Tom Brady's blind side was protected on Sunday. And let's not forget what he did in the running game too. They're finally able to get the ball off tackle, and that's where Sony Michelle's going to be at his best. Great point. A lot of his struggles have been that he has to run outside his comfort zone. But when you saw him going off tackle, even without the tight end over there, he was able to pop off four, five, six yards a run, and that's a game changer. That is a huge game changer. If you're running for, and I know this is a super simplistic view of it, but ultimately it all builds from this. If you run for three yards a carry, three downs give you nine yards. It's fourth and one. You have to punt. 
if you can add just one more yard per carry to those runs and get it up to four yards per carry, you can get a first down more often than not. And I think that's that's the difference between the running game on Sunday against Dallas and what the running game has been the rest of the year. They were looking at four to five yards per carry instead of two to three. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Speaking with Alex Barth of clnsmedia.com, be sure to follow him on Twitter, at RealAlexBarth, all one word. Uh, not only does he do a great job uh, covering the NFL and the Patriots for us at CLNS, he is one of the more enjoyable college football follows out there. Uh, and we love to give him shit for that on uh, Sundays when he's, when we see him on game day. And, uh, you know, th- he'll throw out nuggets like, Jerry Judy is better than Julio Jones. Will and be, it, not is. Will yeah, be. Uh, okay, whatever. Whatever, Alex. Turkey season is here, and betonline.ag wants to celebrate with you during the massive schedule of college and pro football games on tap this Thanksgiving weekend. Follow the action at betonline.ag as week 14 of the college season unfolds. Of course, uh, a couple of great games. Michigan-Ohio State is one game as a Buckeye. I am always making sure I am in front of a television for on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Used to be Saturday. I don't know if you know this, Alex. Ohio State-Michigan was always the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Now it's the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And, of course, the other big game a lot of people will be keeping an eye on uh, this weekend, the Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn. The pro schedule is just as packed as Thanksgiving Thursday kicks off week 13. So before this week starts, head on over to betonline.ag on your computer or your mobile device and be sure to check out the thousands of ways to bet today. Use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Happy Thanksgiving from betonline.ag. They are your online sportsbook experts what are you doing right now what are you making noise during my read for was i making noise yeah i i, I just don't appreciate it when people are trying to distract me from my read and uh i are, i hope you're paying attention to uh this podcast while you're making your way home i was literally just sitting here quietly Oh, good. It just sounded like you were distracted in the background. Now, this is an example, as we get back into the podcast, of what me and Alec, uh, Evan Lazar love to do to Alex on game days. We love to rip you to sh- – well, he knows I love to sh- rip you to shreds and sometimes unfairly. So if you want to retaliate, now's your chance. You can pick, okay, I, you can I, pick I, on me on any way. Like, you can pick on me for getting upset when something isn't just right in the press box. You can get upset with me uh, post-game when I'm telling people to hurry up, blah, blah, blah. I'm giving you this outlet on this podcast, the podcast I host every week, to rip into me any way you choose. This is my uh, Thanksgiving dessert to Alex Barth. Trust me, I wish I had a speech prepared. I didn't know you were going to do this. I guess my favorite example would be when you and Evan were in, uh, was it Philly or Baltimore? I cannot remember. But Evan texted me, said you guys were stuck in some really bad traffic driving to the stadium, and you were very Baltimore. Upset. That was, yes, I know exactly what it was. Continue. And I told I told Evan to call me because I wanted to see it, and Evan said no because he thought you'd throw his phone out of the car. Um, might have been a possibility. I, I, I'll tell you. Um, everybody who's listening to this now, uh, I'm sure loves traffic stories on their way to Patriots games, but, uh, waiting 45 minutes to go like a mile 
from like the off ramp uh, outside M&T Bank Stadium to our media parking. And I was very grateful for media parking. Don't get me wrong out there. Um, very happy for it. But I, I couldn't understand why they couldn't figure out a pathway into the various parking lots. And there was one road in and one road out. I thought... You know, Route 1 gets a bad rep, and sometimes deservedly so, but this was just as bad. So, anyway, from bad traffic stories to biggest turkeys of the NFL season, we'll get back to the Patriots uh, in a little bit, in a couple of minutes. But I want to address three turkeys that I have, and I want to see get your take on these three turkeys, because yeah. I think you will agree, Alex Barth, Miles Garrett, uh, for what he did on the Thursday night game against the Steelers, uh, sure. to Mason Rudolph. Bengals coach Zach Taylor going back and reinserting Andy Dalton this week in place of Ryan Finley and NFL officiating and the ridiculous, um, inane pass interference replay joke. I mean, the, the officials, can we count them or is that just a default? Like, I don't. No, like, I like think. They've been bad this year, but have they been any worse than they've been in the past? Um, probably not, but I think the NFL officiating gets thrown into the bucket because of the way they've administered the games. And the games have been about five to ten minutes longer. And they're, they are worse than that. They feel longer. And there are more stoppages. And I just don't think that the NFL has gotten it right yet with, um, the reintroduction, uh, reintroduction of the pass interference replay into the game. I honestly, to me, I think they've gotten it right. I think the coaches have gotten it wrong. I, I really think, you know, that rule was written more in the spirit of the corner needs to give the receiver the ability to make a play on the ball. That rule wasn't written with the idea that it would be watched on slow motion replay from 20 different angles, 20 different times. So they didn't have that back then. I think, and this is true for a lot of rules in sports, take off sides in hockey the, the, when you actually apply the rule frame by frame on video, it defeats the spirit of the rule. Correct. Right. I'm going to cut and, you off. Here's my issue with the NFL officiating and pass interference replay. If you're going to put that rule in, call it. If you're putting it in to appease the New Orleans Saints and football fans who are outraged in the NFC Championship, then get rid of it. That don't don't waste more time uh, with uh, officials reviewing and breaking down frame by frame each football play in the final two minutes. Nobody wants to see that. What I was going to say, what I was, what I was building to is that it's all, to me, a lot of this is on the coaches for not figuring out that they're just not going to overturn this. There was one uh, with uh, Houston last week against Baltimore that should have been overturned. I thought that was, yes, they didn't that, overturn. that was DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins right? in the yeah. end zone. Yes. But, the rest of them, I've had no problem with them not overturning most of these. And to me, it's on the coaches. Figure it out. They're not going to overturn it. Stop challenging it. Unless the guy gets tackled, and apparently even then it's only 50-50, the coaches need to figure out this rule is not there to make their lives easier. This rule is there to prevent an officiating, uh, whatever you want, like a, a nuclear disaster of officiating. That is the only reason that rule is in there, and they need, they shouldn't be challenging pass interference twice a game. Coaches should not be doing that. So I actually, except for the Houston example, have no problem with the way the NFL's handled this. I, I put the blame on the coaches. They're not going to overturn it. Stop challenging it. And you know how I know that coaches are dumb for challenging it? Bill Belichick hasn't done it. He's the that's really only point. coach in the league that's abstained. So that's how I kind of know 
all right, the smart, it's not on the officials, it's on the, the coaches to wise up and stop challenging this. I'll buy that. Good point, Alex. See, uh, Thank you. Th- there's a reason why I shouldn't probably pick on you all the time. You do make very cogent points. But see, the points. problem is I like to start hyperbolic and then uh. aim in on my point. And you cut me off after the hyperbole and you make me sound dumb. you got to let me finish my thought. What was the inane uh, hi- hyperbolic point you it made? It wasn't, though. What was the point you made Sunday? And I, I was, and I was actually being serious. It was one of the few times I wasn't being hyperbolic. I think judging where a punch went out of bounds when it's 50, 60 feet in the air is the hardest uh, call in sports on a call-to-call basis. There might be individual calls that are sometimes harder in real time to the ball across the plane. Balls versus strikes, you know, that sort of thing. Um, in basketball, a foul. But the most consistently difficult call, because think about it. There's no way, there is no way to get that well, it's right. It's all guesswork, really. Right. But there's no way to get it right, which I think may, means it's the hardest call. Because you have to be looking up at the ball and simultaneously down at the sideline. So unless you happen to be standing directly under it when it goes out of bounds, which isn't going to happen because that's not how they position refs, there's no way to know within a 10 to 15 yard range where it went out of bounds. I do think that's the hardest call in sports. All right. I got to ask you uh, about Miles Garrett, your take and whether or not you think just suspending him for the rest of this season is enough of a penalty. Um, I, I mean, there's, uh, he's being suspended without pay, I believe, right? Correct. So I, yeah, I think, you know, you're taking away half a season game check there definitely needs to be meetings with him in the off season and, and they need to see where he's at. But they, they did, you know, at the very, I wouldn't say he was suspended too much. It might be enough. It's tough to say, cause there's no precedent for this. There isn't. So, you know, what, what do you judge it on? What do you put it up against? Even with, you know, some of these drug and DUI suspensions or domestic abuse suspensions, you can compare them to similar examples and, and see what people have gotten in the past. There's, very little to compare this to. There's uh, Ndamukong Sue stomping on Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think he got nearly this penalty. But it's not nearly as atrocious. So suspending him for the season without pay is a good start. If that's it, I think it's enough. But if they do more, is it fair? Absolutely. Because he hit Mason Rudolph with the bottom of the helmet, where there is some padding. And everybody in the situation involved is lucky for that. Because if he hits him with the shell of the helmet, Mason Rudolph's probably still in the hospital. So, you know, if, if you want to say, oh, he could have hit him with the shell and suspend him more, that's fine. I think he's a clown. The whole racial slur thing, you know, if, if we that should, was really... Yeah, we should add, uh, now that you brought it up, because I was yeah. going to bring this up, Mason Rudolph on Sunday in Cincinnati vehemently denied ever using it and said, I absolutely did not... Um, use that racial, right. uh, any racial slur epithet. Here's my problem with the racial angle of this story. Yeah. Miles Garrett put, uh, Sheldon Richardson and other, uh, Browns teammates in a terrible position. Because if you're going to make that claim and yeah. you, you say, I know what I heard. Okay. Well, if you knew what you heard, then you need to make that, first of all, clear to your teammates before yeah. you address the media and yes. tell all of your teammates, including the quarterback, who Baker Mayfield, who threw him immediately under the bus after the game. If that was the case, Miles Garrett, you need to have told all of your teammates because having not done that, 
and having done that only through the appeals process, it puts it really puts your teammates in a horrible, horrible position. No, I, I agree with you, and that's was going to be my next point is that if you're Miles Garrett in that situation, we see this all the time. Even Vontez Burfecht does this. If, the, if there's a situation like that, the first thing you need to do is, is defend your position. And he just went out and admitted guilt and said he lost his head. And the fact that this, you know, reasoning is coming out, what, two weeks later, three weeks later, you know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But I'm inclined to believe it's not because that doesn't seem like the kind of thing you would sit on for two weeks. Well, the other I, thing we should note is yeah. Pouncey was mic'd up for that game. And right. the NFL, obviously, in the hearing for Miles Garrett, listened to every bit of that audio, and they certainly had the, have the technology to amplify that audio and clarify that audio. And had that been the case, they would have known that. And the other thing is, you had a number of players right there. If Rudolph says something... Garrett's not going to be if – if Rudolph said something like that, I don't think Garrett would have been the only player to react. So – Absolutely. I just – and I was waiting after the game. I was waiting to say anything about it because I wanted to see what Garrett would say to defend himself. If Rudolph took a cheap shot, we couldn't see on camera. If he said something or whatever. And when Garrett basically didn't give a reason for why he flipped out other than he lost his head – I, I kind of took that as the truth. You know, I think, you know, the immediate reaction is the truth. And yeah, he's, he's a, he's a turkey for the whole situation. And, you know, not to, not to make light of it because it's scary and Mason Rudolph could have been seriously injured. But when do we start the clock on Miles Garrett to the Patriots? Cause isn't that how these things always sort of go? Uh, yep. But we'll see. So, I mean, I, I think we're, we're, we're putting, uh, one foot, I think, a little bit ahead of the other too fast there. But we'll say, uh, yes, I mean, it's, to follow that, to follow history um, and track history in the past with players like this and the Patriots, certainly there is history that would indicate if he becomes a free agent, the Patriots would certainly be interested. Okay, we're going to go back to the Patriots now. Okay. Uh, speaking oh, wait, of, I don't get to give turkeys? Oh, no, you absolutely can. You just can't talk about it that long. Okay, um, I would say uh, Jared Goff has certainly been exposed as a turkey. Excellent choice. I, uh, Jared Goff's a big one for me. Um, I would say that uh, Jameis Winston's another one, a guy that in a contract year with all those weapons and he can't, uh, an offensive coach, you can't figure it out. And you got to go Antonio Brown. Uh, he total turkey this year, and uh, those would be my three. Uh, actually, I commend you. Those are three very. Very good choices. Okay, we are going back to the Patriots now. Speaking yeah. with uh, Alex Barth, follow him on Twitter, at uh, RealAlexBarth, all one word. Uh, going back to that game in Washington in 2011 when Tom Brady underthrew Tequan Underwood and was picked off by Josh Wilson of the Redskins in the end zone, prompting one of the more memorable displays of emotion from Brady when he and then offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien got into it. You remember that game? I, I don't. I remember the altercation. I don't remember the game too well, but I definitely remember the video of them getting into it. Yeah, Patriots won the game, but um, it, it certainly stood out as a moment where you know, Brady's star had obviously already been um, elevated to, you know, otherworldly and right. uh, deservedly so. And here was this guy that not everybody knew who 
Bill O'Brien was. But they got a taste of just how fiery and competitive Bill O'Brien can be with another uh, very fiery and intense competitor in Tom Brady. I thought it was just a great moment where Bill O'Brien kind of showed off um, his uh, intestinal fortitude, shall we say. We'll clean it up a little bit. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think a moment like that really stood out in terms of how much respect Bill O'Brien uh, commanded in his job. And what surprises me, Alex, is that the Texans haven't taken it to the next level uh, with him in command since, what, the 2014 season against the Patriots uh, and Belichick. They're 0-4 in the regular season and 0-1 in the playoffs. Do you think that ends this weekend? I do not because of yeah, – and it's the same reason I would give for, you know, why the Texans haven't been able to get over that hump. They just, especially on defense, such poor luck with injuries. That is a team that just cannot stay healthy. I, I – uh, started calling J.J. Watt the Rob Gronkowski of defense because that's what it really feels like. He's an absolute game changer when he's on the field, but that's maybe half the time at this point. Uh, Deshaun Watson has missed some time, you know, sig- not necessarily significant time is in a lot, but he has been hurt, uh, either playing hurt or missing in some very big games. And, uh, you know, even DeAndre Hopkins got banged up. Will Fuller's gotten banged up. A lot of their talent, their offensive line. They're playing with a complete patchwork secondary right now. They just, they have had some bad, bad luck. I think some of it is Bill Belichick just a better coach than Bill O'Brien, but has Bill O'Brien ever got a fully healthy shot at the Bill Belichick Patriots? I can't remember a time that he has. He always seems to be missing at least one superstar from that matchup. So, uh, and, and they're, they're really banged up right now on the defensive side of the football. They're missing just about everybody. So I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a close game, but I, I also think that, you know, the Patriots offense is looking for an excuse to wake up. They're playing the worst ranked passing defense in the league. There's your moment. Go grab it. Well, I mean, that being said, and now uh, if you get Philip Dorsett and you get Mohamed Sanu back for this game, they should be fully, they should be able to put up some points and get the ball downfield. I think Patriot fans want to see Tom Brady break out with a 300 yard, 350 yard game. And, you know, four touchdown, no pick performance. And these next two weeks are the weeks to do it because Houston's defense is missing just about everybody. <laughs> next three weeks. Next three weeks, that's right. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking in terms of the next two because the thing is, once he gets to Cincinnati, you know, they're not going to score with you. They're not, Cincinnati's not going to score with you. And that may be a game where they put up big points at the beginning, but it's not sustained. These next two games could be shootouts. I don't want to take anything away from the Patriots defense because, you know, all indications are they won't be. But you're going these aren't games where you can take the pedal off the metal like you can against a team like Cincinnati or Miami. Uh, this is this is the game to go out and, and, and put up the points and make your mark and announce to the league that you're still here this week and next week against a very banged up Texans defense and against the Chiefs defense. that's just bad. That just is not a talented unit. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, everybody wants to see it. That's the beauty of Tom Brady's when he goes out there and slings four touchdowns and makes it look easy. But, uh, you know, we want to see the, the Brady we saw in the opener. Everybody does. And I, I say we as in, you know, football observers. I said this when Peyton Manning was, was retiring that you only get to watch greatness so much. You want to see it while you have the chance. We want to see if Tom Brady has any of that greatness left or, is the, or if this is the guy he is now. So uh, these are the chances here. Houston, 
Kansas City go out, run up the score, put up the big numbers, and then, as the Patriots always do, because they seem to always end with a relatively easy schedule. I know you still got Buffalo in there, but then it's time you, you, you kind of just bunker down and get ready for the playoffs. I you think it's going to be a high-scoring game? I think it can be. We'll see. We we will see. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson's been a new player this year. I think that I've been critical of him in the past in that he tends to disappear at the end of big games. This year, to me, he's done exactly the opposite. He's elevated his play in the fourth quarter. He's elevated his play against top opponents in performance in Baltimore. Uh, you know, if anybody right now left on the schedule, I'll take him over. Uh, I'll take him in, in this Texans offense, honestly, to put up the big points over the Chiefs offense right now. Because I think Mahomes is still hurt. I think Tyreek Hill's playing hurt. I think the Chiefs have a banged up offensive line that's given them trouble. That's just a better matchup for the Patriots defense. If anybody on the rest of this regular season schedule is going to find the hole in this Patriots defense, I think it's Bill O'Brien, Deshaun Watson, and the Texans. I really do. So uh, if anything's going to be a shootout the rest of the year, I think this is it. I'll buy that. Uh, what's your favorite Thanksgiving uh, food? Uh, all of it. Like I know that's a cop-out answer. but I just Yeah, it is. I, I just – turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, I stack it as high on my plate as I can. And then I drowned it all in gravy. And that's, that's, I, I'll put it in a bowl if I can and mix it up and eat it like a salad. Um, I do have to shout out my grandmother makes, uh, chocolate pudding pie, which is always a fantastic. Oh my God. Dessert. That sounds so good. It is with some cool whip on top. It's amazing. But no, I'll do turkey. Give me all the starch, turkey, gravy, stuffing, tr- uh, turkey, mashed potato stuffing, drown it in gravy, feed it to me through a straw. That's it. That's that's a good plan for me. It's all of what you mentioned, um, circled around with uh, some cranberry uh, sauce. Home, love, homemade or out of the can? Ah, uh, homemade. See, I love nothing tops Ocean Spray for me. I'm big out of the can guy. So uh, yeah, Jeannie does a wonderful job, and her dad does a wonderful job preparing a meal uh, every Turkey Day, whether it's down in the Baltimore area or up here. Unfortunately. For this Thanksgiving, I will be uh, around friends and family. Uh, Janie and Emma are well, Janie's home from Miami of Ohio, so uh, the whole gang will be around. There and, you go. Yeah, I can't wait. It's just such a great haul. Look, I admire Bill Belichick for a lot of things. Right at the top of the list is his appreciation of Thanksgiving uh, as his one of his very favorite holidays, if not his favorite holiday of the year, football and family and food. You can't beat the three Fs. So anyway, I'm wishing everybody out there a very happy Thanksgiving. And you, my man, for all of the crap that you put up with, I am very grateful to have you around, Alex. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm, I'm thanked not to get too sentimental, but, you know, somebody who who is, is, is doing what I hope to do for the rest of my life, I'm very thankful for all the help you've given me over the couple of years we've been working together. Let's keep it going and um, look forward to more football in December and obviously in January down that Patriot playoff road. Want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, Alex Barth, for tolerating my abuse of him throughout the season and throughout the last 30 minutes. Follow him on Twitter at Real Alex Barth. Also, want to thank our terrific sponsor, BetOnline.ag, for producer Michael Angie. And the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.
Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.